This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. What is this, week nine of, of, of house arrest? Does anyone actually mark the time by drawing on the wall? We have three lines and then a stroke through the uh, three lines equals four days, like some prison movie. I don't know. I feel like I should start taking up the harmonica or uh, maybe start lifting weights. I don't know. Um, I tell you, I think I'm going to make a break for it tonight, fellas. I'm going to go down the laundry chute. Who's with me? (laughs) Carlos Kajina is my technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer uh, in the second hour open lines i'll be uh, here waiting your call uh this hour now back in april arthur pavlovsky was feeding homeless people in downtown calgary when over a half dozen police officers surrounded him and fined him twelve hundred dollars homeless people also in april you probably saw this video there was a mother in idaho She was handcuffed for playing with her kids in a park swing. And there was also a young mother up in North Bay. uh, I believe it was April as well, who was uh, arrested for pushing her swings in a deserted park. There was uh, another woman in, in Lethbridge who decided to dress up as a Star Wars character to promote one of her businesses. And she was kind of roughed up by the the constabulary. Uh, The man in Philadelphia. Remember this video from earlier on? He was dragged off a city bus by the police because he wasn't wearing a mask. I never understood that. Why couldn't the police just hand him a mask and say, here, buddy, put this on? Problem solved. Um, in the case of the, uh, the Calgary pastor, uh, Artur Pavlovsky, actually, I think he was fined twice. His uh, cause has been taken up by Rebel News. They are uh, raising money to pay for his court costs, his legal costs. David Menzies is here with us this hour to discuss that and uh, other items. He is the Rebel News Mission Specialist, formerly a contributor with Sun News and host of Menzoid Mornings. David is equal parts outrageous and irreverent 
as he dares to ask the type of questions those in the media party would rather not ponder. David Menzies, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, I am absolutely fantastic. It's been far too long, uh, Richard. In fact, you know what? I don't mean to make light of the Wuhan virus, but I have never been healthier in all my life. I didn't even get my du rigueur March cold. I tend to get a cold, or I used to, every November and March, and that's disappeared. And I don't know, it's kind of like... Did something happen in my sleep, Richard? Did a radioactive spider bite me or something? (laughs) It's your immunity. As a kid, you were out there licking doorknobs and escalator handles, and you've built up your immunity. You're a superhuman. I hope so. I mean, you know, if only the real world was like the comic book world, eh, uh, Richard? I mean, you know, you always hear of these, like, class action suits of, you know, people exposed to, uh, you know, chemicals that were, you know, part of pesticides or herbicides. And, um, you know, in the comic book world, that means you're able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, and you're faster than a locomotive. In the real world, you get cancer and die. So it, it, it's really That's sad, right. isn't it, Richard? I just wish there was more of the comic world in the real world, especially in these days. Indeed. Now, you've always struck me as a bit of an irascible character. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you. Have you been observing all the protocols, social distancing, wearing a mask, following the arrows at the grocery store? I used to, Richard. And, you know, I'll tell you when we, I mean, you know, this is a story that has changed um, on a weekly, even a daily basis. And when it, and I remember sort of the, um, I I guess one of the crucial moments was the evening before St. Patrick's Day. Remember that? That's when Mm -hmm. here in Toronto, um, and it was a devastating blow for the food service industry, uh, which continues to get hammered. Um, there was going to be no St. Patrick's Day celebrations. That's when all these restrictions kicked in. So I guess that's what March seventeenth, if I uh, if I'm thinking correctly. So I guess basically two months to the day. And you know, with all the worldwide fervor, I mean, I wasn't shrugging it off. I was taking it seriously, and I think partly because I have read books. Uh, about uh, pandemics or epidemics, uh, a- a- incredible books like um, The Demon in the Freezer about smallpox and anthrax, right. and The Hot Zone about Ebola. And this is nothing to be trifled with. But what we have discovered, Richard, I think, is that this Wuhan virus, this is no Ebola. And when you were beginning the show, you were thinking, you know, what shall we do, uh, slide down the laundry chute and, uh, you know, try to escape. I would just say this, go outside. You, Richard, are a fairly young, healthy person, and the chances of you getting sick and dying of uh, Wuhan virus, I, I mean, you know, I, I would bet on the the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the next five Stanley Cups in a row, for goodness <laughs> sake, uh, more than that. I, and I'm not, you know, being flippant. The stats do show this. This is something we have discovered um, that affects uh, primarily uh, the elderly, those with respiratory diseases. Nursing homes have been death traps um, for this virus. And I think, um, in hindsight, if we had to do it all over again, Instead of crippling the economy, um, we would have directed our resources and our attention to the very vulnerable groups. And when you look at 
you know, other countries in the world, Taiwan, for example, um, you know, you still have kids in school in Taiwan, and they have, I think, um, the best uh, rate, uh, death rate, in terms of low numbers uh, per million than any other nation. Sweden, too. Um, they, you can still go to a cafe or a restaurant in Sweden. There's social distancing rules. But, you know, unlike Canada, the, what the Swedes did, say this was a car, this nation was a car going 100 kilometers an hour. We hit the brakes and brought it down to 5 to 10 kilometers an hour. So almost everything shut down except for some select stores. Uh, in Sweden, they probably hit the brakes and went down to about 85 to 90. Um, and the... The cases of the Wuhan virus have not shot off the charts exponentially. And I think, like I said, you know, they say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think these nations uh, had it correct, Richard. And I think um, it's been a terrible overreaction in which I fear the cure is worse than the curse. That when you look at the mental health of people being cooked up all these weeks, the rates of depression, the suicides, the domestic abuse, people losing their livelihood. You know, Richard, I don't know when this is going to end, but I fear to walk down Main Street because I think Main Street pre-Wuhan virus and Main Street post-Wuhan virus ain't going to look like the Main Street you remember from back in January. I agree. It's going to be like surveying the devastation after a hurricane yeah uh when we all finally come out and we look at the uh the damage and again you i agree uh i um i i wrote a little piece i i really didn't know what i intended to do with it uh i sent it to some mpps and uh in the faint hope that it might reach the premier's eyes but this was back in late March, in fact, or early April, I said at that time, you need to form an economic task force to, to, to get an exit strategy going and, and, and figure out how we are going to start opening things up as quickly as possible. Uh, because I, it, as I said at that time, or as I wrote, if the, the so-called um, essential services, and I, I don't draw an ex a distinction, all work is essential. Uh, so if if the grocery stores could keep working and the truckers are still delivering and the mail is getting delivered and the pharmacies are open, why can't we figure out what are they doing to mitigate risk and then just have all businesses come up with a plan uh, to mitigate risk? Yes, people who can work from home can, can, can should work from home. But for the rest of us, the young, the able-bodied, as you say, who are very unlikely uh, to be debilitated by this. They got to get out, and and uh, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off. That's the way to do it, because uh, if you're going to have herd immunity, you're not going to get it by cowering in your home. And certainly that is the Swedish approach that even when the critics say, well, the Swedish rates are higher than Norway and Finland, uh, but the Swedish response would be, yes, but um, we are embracing herd immunity for if this so-called second wave comes. We're playing the long game. We're going to be uh, better acclimatized to withstand it uh, than these other countries. But, Richard, everything you said I agree with, except for your first point about having an economic task force. Um, you made the point that the retailers that are open, 
you know, the LCBOs, the Costco's, the Walmarts of the world, um, they have been functioning for several weeks now with the plastic shields, the arrows on the floor, the, the sanitizer at the store, um, the social distancing adequate, uh, etiquette, limiting the number of customers into their stores. Here is your economic strategy. Just say, hey, everybody, this is, the, this is what you have to do. Open your doors, and the entrepreneurs, the great businessmen and great businesswomen of this uh, city and this nation will do so. When I see the likes of Toronto Mayor John Tory hiring the likes of Saad Rafi, this is the guy. He, this is the guy that was the CEO of the Pan Scam Games, right? Remember that in 2015, a big right. phony baloney grade C Olympic Games nobody wanted and hardly anyone bought tickets for. Uh, a games that cost. 10 times more than what it took in in revenue. Here's a guy that would lose his shirt if he had the pay toilet concession at an all-you-can-eat chili-eating contest in Tijuana, okay? <laughs> this, this guy getting paid $35,000 a month is going to tell people who are real business people how to run their business, this career liberal bureaucrat, are you kidding me? And there was another one. I forgot his name. He's making, uh, I think, $50,000 a month. And this is right. another thing I've despised about this uh, global pandemic, Richard, is that, you know, as the old saying goes, never let a good crisis go to waste in terms of, you know, fulfilling your political agenda or ideology. And we keep seeing that. The I think the, um, the most odious one was the uh, the gun grab in which uh, through an ordering council the Trudeau liberals right. have eliminated 1500 guns from being legal to illegal by 2022 and of course they were using two crises uh the global pandemic and of course the the, the massacre that occurred in Nova Scotia last month and um you know closer to home in Toronto it just kicked in this weekend um Never, you know, for Toronto City Council, never let a crisis go to waste when you want to advance the war on the car. And we have seen Toronto overnight lose 57 kilometers of road, including, Richard, this is staggering. It's not just the little laneways and, you know, you know small side streets of Kensington Market, but a lane of Lakeshore Boulevard. Now, I did a little Google Maps searching do you know, Richard, there are parts of Lakeshore Boulevard where the distance from the boulevard to the lake is more than 400 meters. Are you right. telling me that cyclists and pedestrians can't socially distance in a 400-meter footprint, that they need that extra, you know, three or four meters of laneway of Lakeshore Boulevard to accomplish that? This is insidious, and but but it just shows you uh, what is happening. And also, I very much resent that at, of all levels of government, including uh, you know, I regret to announce uh, Premier Ford, this business of one law for thee and one law for me. Right? I mean, right. I, I agree. If I hear one more time, we're in this together. I'm going to hit somebody <laughs> with a, a sock full of horse manure. Yeah. And and Richard, I mean, like when you have. Uh, John Tory bragging on Twitter about how many bylaw officers and law enforcement have issued those $880 tickets. I call these guys the pandemic police or the coronavirus cops on people for what? Walking through a park, sitting on a park bench, 
uh, inline skating in an empty parking lot. And meanwhile, this same John Tory, I think it was, what, three weeks to, uh, as of this night, uh, posed with 10 health care workers on University Avenue, cheek to jowl. I mean, by my math, that's well over $11,000 of fines. Uh, I, know, I know police were at that little shindig for the photo op, but nothing to see here, folks. Your, pre, uh, your Prime Minister Trudeau telling us to um, not go to the cottage, and of course he goes to the cottage with his uh, family, and the same for Doug Ford, I'm afraid to say. Uh, back on Easter weekend, you know, now, you know, we know it's a traditional time for some families to go to the cottage, don't go to the cottage, and on Easter Sunday, he's at the cottage, right? So please, it's, it's getting a little stale, and it's getting a little rich about, you know, our elected officials telling us to give up our, our rights and freedoms, and then they go and violate uh, their own edicts. David Menzies, Rebel News, is with us. I want to talk about some more overreach. Uh, out in Calgary, back in April, tell me about this uh, Arthur Pavlovsky uh, case. He's a pastor. He was feeding the homeless and uh, just sort of set the stage for us, David. Sure. I, I should interject, Richard, that um, we have started a website uh, called fightthefines.com. Uh, and basically it's this. If you've been fined by the coronavirus cops or the pandemic police and you think it was unjust, tell us your story. And if we think you've got a good story, we're going to go to bat for you. And I think we're up to almost 20 cases. Not all of them have been published. But the ones you speak of, and by the way, when I say go to bat for you, we will crowdfund the legal fees. Um, the people in Ontario are going to be represented by legal eagle extraordinaire Sam Goldstein. He's a bencher at the Law Society of Upper Canada. He is a, a brilliant lawyer. And they won't have to pay a cent. And the case you mentioned with the street preacher in Calgary, there's actually two of them. Forgive me, I've forgotten the other individual's name. Uh, those were covered by my colleague, Kian Bexty, who's actually uh, also with Rebel News, and he's based in Calgary. And it was th- these gentlemen were feeding the homeless. Now, you know, Richard, I think food is a basic human right. And, I, you know, I ask, so basically if, you're, if your audience wants to go and uh, check out these cases, if they go to fightthefines.com or, or the regular Rebel News website, you'll see what happens. But it was a complete unnecessary show of force. Um, and it was all based on social distancing. Well, what are we supposed to do? social distance ourselves away from starving people so that they <laughs> die of starvation as opposed to potentially getting the coronavirus. And you also mentioned off the top um, the, the woman in North Bay, handcuffed, put in a police cruiser, frisked, all in front of her, um, her five-year-old daughter um, for bringing her kid to a playground uh, that was deserted. And I've got a few myself, um, a fellow in Toronto, Richard, uh, another Richard, Richard Paradiso. He went to Trinity Bellwoods Park, and this is truly an astonishing case because he got fined for complying. He went to the north end of Trinity Bellwoods Park, sat on a bench, two bylaw officers came over to him. And by the way, as is often the case with law enforcement and bylaw when they're handing out these tickets, Richard, if there's more than one, 
they aren't practicing social distancing. So, hey, go figure. Right. But right. In fact, just just to go back to the Pavlovsky case, he was surrounded by six police officers. Six of them came in, none of them wearing masks. Yep. Yeah. So back to the uh, uh, back to the uh, uh, Trinity uh, Bell Park. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So at Trinity Bellwood, um, so Richard Paradis, so he had his motorcycle parked in the laneway and he. Basically, the bio officer said, you, you cannot uh, sit on this bench. So he immediately got off the bench, and he said, am I allowed to stand on the park? And he, and he said, no, you can only pass through it. He said, okay. So he walked about 30 meters back to the laneway where his motorcycle was. The bylaw followed him and slapped him with an $880 ticket. Now, Richard. Oh, my. Exactly. What? Yeah. And, and so, I mean... I don't think you have to be the caliber of lawyer of Sam Goldstein to win this case. And I have to say, I wanted to say a positive shout out. The last I checked, the city of Winnipeg uh, had not issued a single bylaw infraction, one of these $880 Emergency Act tickets, Richard. Their philosophy, and it's the correct one, is you educate, you warn, you disperse. Now, after those three things don't work... And, you know, and you're going to be a jerk about things. Well, then, they, you know, you back them into a corner. But right, right. that is their approach. I mean, I had a young skateboarder out in Pickering, 18 years old. He only works 20 hours a day at a supermarket in Angus. Um, he's out of, you know, so he's out of school. And um, he went to an abandoned, he went to a, an empty skateboard park. There was no police caution tape. There were no COVID-19 signs. And... He got onto a skateboard, and out of nowhere, it was like it was a set ambush. Three bile officers for uh, the town of Pickering appeared, you know, um, like I said, like out of nowhere, 880 for him. Well, we're David, I've got to jump in here. Uh, you're going to take up that one as well. We'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll remind people uh, how they can uh, get on board with this crowdfunding campaign to raise uh, money for legal fees. We're talking with David Menzies from Re- Rebel News, back with more on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. David Menzies from Rebel News is with us, Rebel News mission specialist. Just before the break, uh, David, you were talking about this uh, skateboarder in uh, Pickering. Yeah. And uh, Rebel News is taking up his uh, cause. He was fined $800 uh, for skating in an abandoned yeah. skate park. $880. Yes, so sir. how do people, uh, if they want to donate to this crowdfunding uh, thing, how do they do that? Oh, thanks for that, Richard. It, it, it simply go to <clears throat> fightthefines.com. Um, and if you want to um, you know, help us pay these legal fees, you know, under, unlike the mainstream media, uh, Richard, unlike the CBC, which gets what 1.5 billion a year, the newspapers, they're um, I think they're up to the trough for 595 million uh, per year. Then we have the magazine fund, we have the McLean's um, donations. We don't receive a single penny of government funding, nor would we take it if offered. Uh, I think if you're going to uh, tell, you know, practice journalism, you can't be in the financial. 
uh, pockets of your political masters. Uh, but that seems to have gone out uh, the window even before the pandemic kicked in. So I can only imagine mm-hmm. how bad it is now. So, <clears throat> yes, you can, you, you know, if, if you're in a position, because I know this is a horrible time to ask anyone of money uh, when they are presumably laid off or their their income has taken a severe dip. But, it, you know, if you're financially stable to help us report the other side of the story, as our slogan goes, I'd be most appreciative. And conversely, um, if you, uh, and I mean that the collective you, your audience, uh, Richard, if you have one of these $880 pandemic police tickets, please tell us your story. And like I said, if we think it has merit, we will go to bat for you. You are going to get the best legal representation uh, via Sam Goldstein. I can guarantee you that. And um, the cases, you know, they just keep um, pouring in, and it's um, some of them are just egregious. One, one in particular, Richard, if I can say, is the case of Pat McHenry. Uh, he's a retired carpenter up in Sarnia, and he, you know, went out of the country, and he had to come back to practice the um, the the fourteen day or the fifteen day self quarantine. He lives in an apartment in Sarnia, and he has a little dog, Molly. And what he did is, and this is allowed under the rules, I understand. Um, you, If you're under quarantine, you can go into your backyard, or if you're in a high-rise, you can go outside where the parking lot is, which is where Pat McHenry brought Molly to relieve herself. So it's an empty parking lot. And he used the stairwell going up and down to avoid any contact with people in the elevator. So that's how far out of his way uh you know, he, he conducted his affairs. And when he got back to his apartment, two police officers were there. They already had the ticket written out. So obviously somebody in the apartment building ratted him out. And this is the other unfortunate, you know, thing about this pandemic, Richard, where we have... Snitch you know, culture. Yeah. yeah. The snitch culture. <laughs> exactly. And But the, the significant thing about the Pat McHenry case is that I went up to Sarnia. I, I, sh- I shot the video. And the next day, he phoned me, and he said that, uh, oh, and by the way, I did reach out to Sarnia police. They're terrible. They're, even their communications people don't communicate. It's just um, no access whatsoever, and I'm just trying to get them to say their side of the story. But evidently, Pat McHenry made a big mistake by talking to the media, because he phoned me the next day, and he said there was a hard knock at the door early in the morning. I go to it. It's the police. And according to Pat McHenry, the officer said, uh, Mr. McHenry, I have some great news for you. And he said, oh, what's that? He says, we are canceling that $880 ticket. And Pat McHenry said, well, that is great news. And then the officer said, and what we're doing now is we're giving a ticket for $1,425. They bumped it up by another 50%. Richard, based on what? I don't know. And it was just in the way they delivered it, right? This, like, smirky, um, you know, we're doing you a favor. Oh, but on the other hand, look at this. And it seems that they bumped it up because Pat McHenry had the temerity, the absolute utter goal to go public with his case and embarrass the Sarnia Police Service. So It sounds... It sounds like Sarnia is being run uh, by one of those uh, state troopers from a cannonball run. <laughs> like Boss Hog, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I listen, by and large, I mean, I, I love the police. 
uh, and yeah, I don't want people to think that this is, you know, we're, we're, we're slamming all, all police. Uh, but there are some, this is, these are examples of overreach, which is why I had you come on the program. Where is the Canadian Civil Liberties Association or the provincial counterpart in all of this? This is what they're supposed to be all about. What a great question. Before I answer that, Richard, I want to say that on behalf of myself, Ezra Levant, who's the owner of Rebel News, uh, my colleagues, uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kian Bexty, we echo what you just said. We support the police. Um, We're not anti-cop. Far from it. Quite the opposite, as a matter of fact. But we all know there are bad apples. We all know there are bad actors. And we, you can't be so pro-cop that everything the police do gets your uh, approval. You have to call it like the umpire behind home plate. And thankfully, most of the police, I think, you know, do a terrific job. And I'm not anti-cop at all. I, c- I can only imagine what society would be like, you know, without uh, the guys in blue uh, <laughs> enforcing the law against those who do not respect it. Now, um, the Canadian Civil Liberties um, Organization, yeah, that's the one, that's, that's the one, oh, yeah, it's operated by that guy, Michael, um, he had an involvement with a cyclist in his sub a while back, uh, oh, I won't go there, that's a little cruel, Michael Bright, <laughs> um, they issued a press release, release, I believe, where they said, you know what, we're going to be taking notes. We're taking notes about any infringement on civil liberties and constitutional rights, and after we take those notes, we're going to release another press release saying, don't do this again. Basically, that's what it boiled down to. And their, I, I think their most active thing was in trying to get prisoners released from prison so that there wouldn't be uh, a Wuhan virus a problem in our Canadian jails. So what we right. are doing, and I have to say, uh, this was Ezra Levant's idea, the Fight the Fines campaign. We are doing, Richard, the work of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. This is what they should be doing. Instead, they're taking exactly. yep. and sending press releases and going to bat for prisoners. So, some, uh, some civil liberties outfit, eh? Well, yeah, there's further proof. You mentioned the, the cure being worse than the disease. When we are releasing prisoners and arresting priests, I think we can <laughs> confidently say, yes, the cure is now officially worse than the disease. Uh, now, I, I do want to, if we have time and, and we're able, uh, because you have a, a little uh, thing going on with the York Regional Police, um, are we able, are we able, are you allowed to talk about that or oh, is that before am. the courts or? Yeah, okay. I mean, it hasn't gone into court yet, but um, it, it, it's funny, and this is an example of policing gone uh, absolutely haywire. Um, we have indeed got a $50,000 lawsuit that we have filed against the York Regional Police Service, and this goes back to January, Richard. Um, I was doing an assignment where um, I was trying to scrum Ron McLean. He is the, you know, co-host, the sidekick of Coach's Corner, who essentially uh, backstabbed Don Cherry when Don Cherry was released for going to bat for the poppy and for veterans. And so, of course, Ron got to keep his job. So they had this, until the virus kicked in, they had this traveling road show called Rogers Hometown Hockey. And in early January, it came to Vaughan, Ontario, and I went up to the Vaughan Metropolitan Complex. Public land, sidewalks, streets, but public land, not private, Richard. This is very key. 
And I waited patiently until Ron McLean came out of his broadcast booth, and I started asking him questions. And immediately, I was descended upon by several York Regional Cups. One put me in a headlock, one put me in a bear hug, one pushed me down. And it's it's all on video, Richard. And yes, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. It's it's shocking. It is shocking. And uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it was happening. I, mean, I don't think it was my best moment because all I could keep saying is, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" I I, I never got into like you know what is this um, you know a scene out of Minority Report because this was their basis. They were saying we are going to detain you. Um, on the presumption you might do something nasty to Ron McLean. Basically, that's the plot line, isn't it, Richard, from Minority Report? You know, the. Yes, the, yes, you might. You yeah. might do something. What was yeah. it called? The Future Crimes Unit? Something like that, right? And it, by the way, there is actually a ruling from the Supreme Court. I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2018, but basically the Supreme Court in Canada said you cannot do that. You know, you cannot come up with a theory that a crime might happen, and therefore you detain someone for no reason. And then again, um, you know, I was uh, when he came, when Ron came out of his autograph session, I, I went to scrum again. I got an elbow in the ribs. He was surrounded by this time by about eight police officers, something like that. They 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 had a, it was like a force field of York Regional cops around Ron McLean. Should note that not once did Ron McLean say he didn't want to speak to me, you know. And Ron McLean is a public figure, and I was just asking him what I thought were fair questions about what happened. And um, in any event, because evidently doing you know, practicing journalism in Vaughan is against the law in the eyes of York Regional Police and that they detained me and they physically assaulted me. We did indeed launch the $50,000 lawsuit. And I can tell you, this, the statement of defense is absolutely staggering. I mean, it had me laughing out loud because... I'm going to get line, you to... I'm, David, uh, David, I'll get you to hold on to that. Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll take a time up. 50000 that seems like you're letting them off the hook easy. We'll, let, we'll, we'll discuss on the other side. David Menzies from Rebel News right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up at the top of the hour, open lines in the second half. And uh, I will be anxiously waiting by the phone for your call, like an anxious ninth grader waiting in for uh, an invite to the dance. Uh, David Menzies from Rebel News is here. And, uh, David, we were talking about your court case against uh, the York Regional Police of $50,000. You were roughed up, put in a headlock, basically tackled, elbowed, uh, detained. How long were you detained, by the way? You know what? It was just for enough time for Ron McLean to go running to another trailer uh, so he could uh, have an autograph session. So it wasn't that long, but the the point was, the um, Richard, the, the opportunity was lost. He was out on a sidewalk, right. and this is, I know he only, I know he only had a, about a minute or two to, um, to ask him questions, and he disappeared. But, you know, before the break, I was saying it was comical, the statement of defense, um, because there was one line, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, where it said that at one point, Menzies, this is coming from a, a 
police officer, um, shone a bright flashlight in my eyes, right? And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I had my one hand was holding the camera on a selfie stick. The other hand had a microphone. Where did this third hand come from? I think there was a, there wasn't there an alien species in a Twilight Zone episode that had three arms, right? So, and then That's I realized, right. Richard, right. <laughs> I realized what he was talking about. If you have an iPhone or, or I guess any cell phone these days, there's a little light that in night videoing uh, comes on. And that's what he was referring to. This blinding right, right. light in his eyes was that tiny little iPhone um, <laughs> uh, circular light that, that is smaller than a, well, than a button. And if you were with CBC, you would have had uh, a, a lighting crew. So there would have been <laughs> a Klieg light shining in his eyes. He got off lucky. So, but 50,000, 50, that seems light. You know what? For, Richard, for it, such an egregious... Yes. I know everybody in the history of lawsuits says the same thing, which is it's not about the money. And of course it's about the money, but in this case, it isn't about the money. This is about, you know, this isn't the first time uh, somebody at our, at our organization has been roughed up either by law enforcement or by, you know, some lunatic uh, at a protest. And there comes a time when you, you can only shrug it off so many times. And now we are not doing that. We are standing up for our rights, and it's an enshrined right. We, are a, we have freedom of the press. We can practice journalism. I was in no way a threat to Ron McLean. Even Ron McLean, as you saw in the video, uh, Rich, uh, Richard, he, he doesn't say, get away from me or don't ask me questions. Um, he just doesn't say anything, so I just keep asking questions. So it, it's kind of scary that York Regional Police, which is a public police service, is was, I guess, hurrying themselves out that night as private security for Rogers. And, you know, that, that brings up, I'll give you another pop culture reference. This kind of reminds me of the movie uh, RoboCop. You remember, Richard, that the uh, oh, yes. OPC was uh, going to be in charge of the policing, right? So uh, who is the York Regional Police uh, serving, or at least that night? Who were they serving? Was it the general public or um, the poobas at Rogers Communications that didn't want any of their precious talent uh, being asked hard questions? But um, I, I, I guess I shouldn't be too gung-ho in, in asking you to sort of up the uh, the fine because – as a resident, I may end up paying for it if you win. That's true, and that's unfortunate because it's not going to come out of the individual cops' salaries. You're 100% right. It'll come out of the taxpayer trough. So, you know what? You just gave me another thought as to, you know, to, uh, you know, paper down, you know, what we'd ask for. But it is just to prove a point. We we want uh, more than anything an apology, and, uh, well, when things get back to normal, whenever that'll be, uh, we'll see what a judge says. And by the way, Richard, like, what do you say, my friend? When is the old normal going to come back? And I've often thought, what is the what is the new new normal going to look like? I mean, like, once this Wuhan virus has been defeated, do, do we have like a a ticker tape parade down Young Street or Bay Street, like you know, the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup or or a country winning a war, or and 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 do some of the old things that maybe you know that should stay away, should, you know, will they stay away? And, and by that, Richard, um, 
handshaking. I've never been a great fan of the handshake. You know, I, I bet anyone of our age has probably shaken tens of thousands of hands, and sometimes yeah. you, you know what? run into a hand that's clammy and sweaty, and you, you just wonder, yikes, have I got something now? <laughs> so yeah, I I'm going to double down. Once this is over, I'm doubling down on the handshake. I might even go in for the low hug on occasion. Oh. Just just because I'm, I've you know, I'm... I don't know. I, I'm the kind of guy that at Ikea, I walk against the, the arrows. I just don't be, I don't like being told what to do. But uh, a couple of artifacts I want to see go. One is the Zoom birthday party uh, and the Zoom funeral. I I, um, I don't even know how to say this. I, I, I attended a Zoom funeral. No, it wasn't a virtual funeral. There was, you know, the deceased was there, but I was observing it was a, a combination funeral and Zoom meeting, and, and that's something I definitely want to see go by the boards once uh, this is all over. Um, but I, my great concern is that we are now entering the age of the pandemic, and uh, we're going to see, you know, what Milton Friedman said, the only way you bring about real change is with a, with a crisis, either real or imagined. And so there's going to be another wave, we'll be ordered back into our homes, we'll come out. Then uh, things will seem to normalize and then there'll be another wave and we'll be ordered. Finally, what will happen is I think many of us will just throw up our hands and say, you know, I give up whatever you want. Uh, we've got to take another quick time out, David. Okay. We'll uh, come back and finish up the other side. David Menzies from Rebel News right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. A final segment with David Menzies, the mission specialist from Rebel News. And uh, again, the uh, the website for people who want to contribute to the crowdfund uh, project for to fight some of these uh, legal cases for overreach uh, is is it fightthefines.com, David? That is correct. And conversely, if you have a story, if you've been victimized by one of these $880 pandemic police tickets uh, and we think your story has merit, we will go to bat for you. We will pay all your legal fees through crowdfunding to fight this when things get back to normal. I wanted to ask you about, uh, well, I guess they would be their competitors, but uh, you're, you're really the only two news outlets that are sort of, you know, right of center, maybe the National Post and a good day, but and that's uh, True North. Yeah. Uh, do you see them as competitors or do you see them more as allies now because you're sort of both, you know, simpatico and fighting against a lot of the censorship and so forth. Yeah, no, I, I think we, well, in a sense, we are competitors and we are also ally, allies. So what's that term? Frenemies, I think it's called Richard, frenemies right. enemies or something like that. But, you know, certainly we, um, we teamed up with True North when it came to going to court. It was one of our best days ever at Rebel when we fought successfully um, with our two young lawyers to get admitted to the federal debates during the election, which we were shut out of. And um, our two young lawyers, they, they worked, um, they, they, they burned the midnight oil working the entire weekend, um, and they went up against, um, you know, basically the government's team of five, five or six lawyers, and we won. And we got to into, we got admittance into the, uh, the debates. Now, I can tell you, we have another lawsuit going because we have been 
excluded, and the same would be true uh, for um, uh, for you know some of the other true north. Oh, true north. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, in terms of asking the prime minister questions when he you know comes out of his um, so-called cottage for an hour in a somewhat disheveled state and. Um, you know, takes on such heavy-hitting questions from the media like, um, what brand of shampoo are you using, Mr. Prime Minister? And, um, Mr. Prime Minister, are you worried about burnout? <laughs> that was from a Reuters uh, reporter. I'm not making any of this up, Richard. And, see, allegedly, um, when you phone in for your questions, there's a, there's a roster of journalists there, and there's a roster on the phone. We have been told it is completely random chance. Now, for weeks and weeks now, Kian Bexty, Sheila Gunreed, my two colleagues in Alberta, and myself from time to time, we have gotten on that phone, we have sat through the entire hour-long press conference, and lo and behold, Richard, we never get selected. Same with, same with the True North reporter. I don't know if they're still doing it. Maybe they've given up. But, you know, again... It defies all odds. And not only that, it seems to be, um, on many occasions, the very same reporters, almost in the same order, getting chosen. So we don't believe this random chance uh, thing. So we are uh, right now um, going to pursue legal action to be allowed to, to ask questions. And I can tell you what one of the questions I'm champing at the bit to ask, Richard, that you'll never see asked by the, you know, the media party. It's simply this. As you know, about six years ago in Toronto at a um, woman-only meeting, uh, Justin Trudeau, who was a year away from being prime minister, he stated that he has an admiration for the kind of basic dictatorship of China in terms yes. of getting things done. And my question to the Prime Minister would be this. Given what's happened to the world, given the thousands of deaths, given the trillions and trillions of dollars of economic hardship, given that China hid the, um, uh, you know, the, what really happened and its puppet, the World Health Organization, uh, was in complicity of that, Mr. Prime Minister, do you still have that admiration for that basic dictatorship? Gee, Richard, I, I wonder what his answer would be. Well, and here we are over, it's now 540 days, I think. Uh, they still have uh, the two Michaels, Spaver and Kovrig, in, in uh, detention, uh, basically political prisoners. Uh, and... They are now going into clinical trials for this vaccine that was developed by a Chinese manufacturer. They're working with some Halifax researchers. So now Canadians are going to be the, the guinea pigs for this, this uh, vaccine manufactured in China. Two excellent points. Um, when it comes to the two Michaels, uh, Corvig and Spavor, right now, um, I think it's over 550 days, as a matter of fact, Richard, and they are being held in brutal conditions, i.e. in their cell, the light bulb never goes off. Um, I don't know about you, Richard, but if I had to put up with maybe three days of that, I don't think I'd be the same kind of person. They've been there for 550 days plus. It is despicable. And yet, what's happening here? China has demanded the return of its two panda bears from the Calgary Zoo. And what do we do? Yes, uh, yes, boss. We'll send them right over to you. Is the Concorde still in service? Um, we have 
two bargaining chips in those bloody bears. Because obviously the people in Beijing care more about pandas than they do about people. And instead of saying, yeah, you know what, we'll talk about you getting those bears back uh, when we get our two Michaels back. And by the way, um, the Calgary Zoo, um, that contract is, I understand, was to run for another two or three years. So it's not as though the deadline has come. It's that Calgary, the Calgary Zoo is still entitled to, to keep those bears, but they're, they're bending over backwards. It's a disgrace. And the other thing, my, um, Richard, is that, is that I am hopeful that when things do get back to normal, we will have a so-called fortress North America. I think President Donald Trump was so ahead of the curve in bringing back manufacturing and taking a tough stance against China um, before even this pandemic became a thing. I think, Richard, that let's say you were in the market for a $1,000 mountain bike, but to have that mountain bike made in Hamilton, for example, it's going to be an extra 150 bucks. Would you pay it? And the answer for me is yes. I'm not rich. I look at prices. I, I, I price shop 100%. But if it was put to me thusly, do you want to buy something domestically or do you want to depend on China for everything, including the bulk of your pharmaceuticals? Because, Davey Boyd, do you remember what happened to the planet in 2020? with that Wuhan virus, I think if you framed it that way, Richard, most people would say, yeah, even though I'm in hawk because of that damn Wuhan virus, make it domestic. And I'll I'll tell you, uh, I was already going out of my way to do this. It's very hard not to buy made-in-China products. You know, I mean, I don't think you can go into a Dollarama and find like 1% of their stock that's maybe not right, made in right. China. But Richard, there are ways. My New Balance shoes are made in the U.S. And it actually says, you know, on the uh, the back of the shoe, outside, not inside the shoe, made in USA. So I think it's it was a marketing tool then, and it's more of a marketing tool now. I bought a radio. Right. And we should be talking- clear. Our, our, the grievance here is not with the people of China. It is with the Communist Party. The, the Chinese no, Communist Party regime. Nobody and, and, suffers and more we, than the people of China. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And why we even before uh, the uh, the pandemic, uh, it always confounded me. You know why we continue to deal with China, the, the Communist Party in China, uh, the way we do, as if is everything is just you know normal and and so forth. They have concentration camps they they have forced uh they take uh they retrieve organs from political prisoners uh you know they uh, they are one of the most odious regimes since nazi germany yes and that's not an exaggeration why do we why did we continue to to do normal business with them then and and certainly now uh you know that has to be um that has to be off the books going forward. hundred uh, percent. But like I said earlier, our prime minister has a basic admiration for that dictatorship. I think um, Justin Trudeau, his um, long goal is to get a uh, a seat, or a, you know, for Canada on the UN Security Council, or even for him to have a prominent job at the United Nations, and yet. Does that represent the will of the people? I can tell you this much, Richard. No, it doesn't. There was a recent poll that came out. In 2015, 40% of Canadians um, had a favorable opinion 
of Canada having a trading relationship with China. 40%. Five years later, right now, it is down to 11%. 11% of Canadians think it is a good idea to have a trading relationship with, with, with China. And I think that speaks volumes. And like I said, when we go forward, um, I hope there is more of a push to, yes, it's going to cost us 100%. You know, you, you know, you, you can't beat slave labor, right, Richard? But if it means avoiding another pandemic, and I say another pandemic because the last three bloody pandemics have come out of China, right? Um, yeah, uh, I'll go into hawk a little more to avoid a repeat of 2020 any day. David, uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. It, again, it's rebelnews.com and fight the fines.com. Again, if you, you need legal assistance or uh, you want to contribute, fightthefines.com. David, great having you on. We should have done this a long time ago. It was a pleasure. I'm happy to come on your show anytime. And listen, you, you stay safe, even though the dangers of this is totally exaggerated if you're young and healthy. And I know you're young and healthy. And uh, so I, it was wonderful spending the hour with you. I can't believe how fast it went. But um, thank you so much, my friend. All right. Talk again soon, I hope. David Menzies, Rebel News. All right, when we come back, open lines. Open lines for the hour. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello there to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740, 96.7 FM, Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. And howdy to each of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hey, you streaming us on the Zoomer Radio app or online at zoomerradio.ca. And uh, those of you streaming us on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And, of course, hello to those of you in the YouTube uh, live chat. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. This is our open lines. Ask me anything, 416, well, whether you get a straight answer is anyone's guess, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. And uh, we can talk about this interminable quarantine, 416-360-0740. What will life be like after it's over, do you suppose? What will the uh, the new normal be? Toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740, 1-866-740-4740. Or if you've had it with the COVID-19 and the quarantine, I know many of you have, uh, and you want to discuss conspiracies, political subterfuge, the paranormal, UFOs, yes, to all of the above, 416 360 0740 in the GTA toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, I, I want to spend a few moments talking about uh, COVID-19 and the, 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 uh, the, the, the lockdown, the, the quarantine. 
although they are sort of loosening things up here in Ontario, uh, phase one, uh, I, I found the choice rather interesting. The things that are kind of opening up, marinas, golf courses, uh, uh, what else was included in that? Uh, some tennis, I, I believe tennis uh, tennis clubs, but you can't play doubles, of course. Um, so we can talk about, uh, you know, what life will be like. Also, you know, let's let's put the grim statistics aside for a moment. The number of infections, the, the number of people on ventilators, the number of fatalities, all, you know, that's a horror show, no question. Um, but, but when it comes to the, the quarantine life, what surprised you? Maybe you've actually found an upside. And what what bothers you the most? What do you miss about normal life? I mentioned earlier in, in hour one, talking with uh, David Menzies, Zoom funerals, the worst. Because, you know, you want that the whole purpose is to be there to support the family, the bereaved. And it's rather difficult to do when you're watching the proceedings on a, on a laptop or a phone. Um, what do they call these now? Zoom funerals, e-funerals? Let's let's hope that they are uh, definitely uh, relegated uh, to the uh, the past once this is over. And Zoom birthday parties now they can be hit hit or miss, uh, but but generally I'd have to say it's kind of sad, really. You know that we are celebrating birthdays on Zoom now. Having said that, my uh, my lovely bride celebrated a, a birthday on Zoom. And you see, she's a producer. So, it, I mean, it ran like clockwork. But a lot of these, they're awkward. Everyone's either staring at each other, saying nothing, uh, or everyone's talking at once. They don't add a mute and unmute their microphone. It's uh, awkward and kind of sad, really, is the way to say it. Um, and people try to run. It's a meeting. It's a Zoom meeting, right? It's, it's not a party. You've got to run it like a meeting in order for it to actually work. You know, you're supposed to should raise your hand, unmute your microphone, etc. Anyway, I tell you what I find kind of exciting about all of this. These videos that uh, pop up on YouTube and then they're gone or they pop up on Facebook, they're gone, they're on Twitter, then they're taken down. Let's say some doctor in Texas goes rogue. He grabs a microphone, starts telling a crowd of people, the ICUs here are empty. Uh, there's nobody here or I'm a doctor and I'm treating my patients with hydroxychloroquine and, and zinc and it works. Uh, and then, of course, you know, someone forwards you that and they say pass this along before it's taken down. Now, I'm not saying one way or the other whether these videos are legit or not. Some might be, some aren't. But this whole exercise, uh, you know, passing along this radioactive material, the censored material, and you're supposed to forward it to a friend. I just, I feel a little bit like I'm in the French underground during World War II. The resistance, it's kind of uh, exciting, romantic. Uh, and maybe after tonight's show, when it's demonetized by the folks at YouTube, and I'm sure it will be, uh, you'll be making CD copies of, uh, of this radio transmission and putting it on uh, a CD and I don't know, putting it in a, in a paper bag and placing it in a trash bin at the park and someone else will come by and, and pick it up or you'll put it on an, uh, the MP3 on a thumb drive and 
sent it to Paris via carrier pigeon. How romantic. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's go to Melanie here in Toronto. Melanie, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Oh, it's so nice to uh, to listen to you and uh, hear your opinions. It's wonderful. And Mr. Menzies, it was great to hear him. Uh, <clears throat> what I'd like to say is... I trusted the police 100,000% till about uh, a few years ago when there was a situation with my neighbor, who is a Toronto police detective, who killed a man on duty. Then, I guess there was stress there, and he started to do illegal construction on his home, which caused me horrific problems on my driveway, which I won't go into. So... This situation ended up, in, you'd be shocked if you knew the whole story, which uh, it's on the Internet. And actually, I've gone to police headquarters to, uh, to uh, you know, give my deputations because it went to the point of court. The lies that we proved this police officer, uh, uh, you know, committed against me, and it was act- it's actually criminal. And some police officers actually said to me very high up, you know, we know that you are innocent, uh, Melanie, and uh, that this was, that he lied, we proved in court he lied, and his wife lied about the illegal construction. The city inspector came to the house when he did this illegal construction, and I would have never called or snitched on him, because I prayed for this man when he killed a man, because I was hoping that he, you know, because he was trembling and shaking, that, you know, whoever he did this to, that they might come after him. So I said, I'm praying for you and for your safety and for your family as a Christian. And he thanked me. And then to do what he did uh, was, was so shocking. And I was shocked that in court we proved how he lied with videotape. And nothing happened to him. Nothing happened to him. He's still practicing uh, as a detective. But the story is so horrific. We proved that he lied to the city. The building inspector was intimidated because he's a police officer. And the records are all there how he lied. He even lied in court. Every answer in court was, I don't know, I don't remember. Richard, if I asked you, how did your house look when you bought it? Would you say in court, you don't remember, you don't know? Right. No, I get I, I I get what you're saying, Melanie, and I don't want to I don't want to get it, you know into the weeds here with the court case. But he, yes, obviously, obviously there are you know the old saying, bad apples, right? Uh, and and because they have uh, authority and they have power, that that makes uh, their their transgressions all the worse. I mean, if someone if someone doesn't have any power or authority over you. You know, they can't do serious damage, presumably, with their with their mendacities and their lies. But if they have the power of the state behind them, then that that's to be sure. Um, And uh, I I don't know what the resolution was. It sounds like it was not in your favor. Uh, I'm I'm sorry about that. Melanie, thank you for your call. I just want to go to the uh, the YouTube uh, live chat. And I'm also inviting questions from our YouTube live chat. Uh, You betcha who joins us every week, asks, uh, Richard, are you afraid, like I am, that they'll rush through a COVID vaccine without doing proper testing? Uh, yes, <laughs> is the short answer. That would be a, that would be a concern. Um, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer, per se. I, uh, I look at each one uh, sort of on a case-by-case basis, you know, what are the ingredients and, and what's the schedule, you know, how soon, and I'm talking about, you know, administering, having these administered to my children. And we went through this when they grew up, 
Some we said yes, some we said no. Uh, I mean, my my problem with with uh, vaccines in terms of the efficacy and so forth, do they go through the same kind of rigid testing uh, that, say, for example, you know, they they expect for other drugs? Where's the, uh, you know, the gold standard, the double blind studies and so forth? Have they ever done with one of those with vaccines? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I don't think they do those. They don't, I don't know. Maybe they do. I could be wrong. But um, yeah, I'm concerned. Now, if it's a mandated vaccine, I'm not going to take it. I won't take it. Um, what I have heard, however, from at least one immunologist uh, is that, and this is paraphrasing, and this is his valued opinion, I suppose you could say, uh, that with a coronavirus, it does not produce the kind of immune response. It does not produce a strong uh, immune response. This is just the way it is with coronaviruses. And so in his opinion, we, we could be waiting a very, very long time for a vaccine that would handle COVID-19. And then it, it very well might not work because it's not going to produce the immune response to battle the coronavirus. All right. Uh, let's see. Thinker on the YouTube chat. Uh, what do you know about the underground base wars? Do you know about the underground base beneath Toronto? No, I don't know about an underground base in Toronto. Uh, if you're talking about underground bases, military bases, I've done a number of shows with people like Mary Joyce and um, another gentleman whose name escapes me. Uh, but we've done a number of shows on underground military bases. Now, I don't know if you're asking about, you know, extraterrestrial involvement with the military in these bases if you're going that far afield or whether there's something else i'm not sure maybe you could um thinker in the uh, youtube you could you could provide me with a follow-up 416-872 sorry 416-360-872 that's the old station 416-360-0740 600740 and toll free from just about anywhere 18667404740 George also asking do you think the vaccine will be forced upon us um i don't i don't think so uh number one i think this thing could peter out based on again what i've been reading again from epidemiologists and other immunologists this could peter out uh before we before we even get a vaccine so if we, if we do i'm sure it'll be added to the schedule i'm sure uh public schools will require your your child to be vaccinated i'm sure other individuals will be pressured uh to have it but um i don't i don't think they would try something like forced mass inoculation at least i hope they don't and i hope canadians wouldn't put up with it uh george i uh, hope that answers your question all right 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740 joanne joanne welcome to the conspiracy show where are you calling from toronto, toronto. all right i'll ask you to speak up a little joanne go ahead 
Um, I was wondering if you've run into uh, the Irish professor Cahill Dolores. I think it's C A H I L L. Have you heard of her? No, I've not. Well, that is the guest. She is um, uh, got credentials. She could burn for a year and still um, um, have some left over. As well, she is uh, uh, an expert witness. She will go anywhere in the world to fight this. And uh, she is calling on an inquiry from the regular media over in Ireland to um, ask to why, when they are getting taxpayer dollars, it's RTE over there, it's CBC here, why they didn't tell the public, all you have to do is take vitamin C, D, and zinc to uh, prevent this as a preventative. You really have to get her on. She's on the Brighteon platform, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N. And, uh, her name is Professor Cahill. Professor Cahill. C A H I L. What is her name? And it's Dolores C- with two O's. D O L O R E S. Now, Dolores I also to Professor James McCanny. I'm sure you've heard of him. Oh, yes. Okay, so he's got another fantastic, a bigger interview on a longer interview with um, uh, Pastor Butch. So these are really. Uh, especially uh, Cahill. She's on a great interview with uh, uh, Dell Bigtree. Yep, I know Dell. This woman really has to uh, be heard, and it's too damn bad that Canada didn't have somebody like her. So I have hopes for Ireland. I have a bit of hope for the United States, and I don't have much hope for Canada coming out of this due to the test. All right, Joanne. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Dolores Cahill and Jim McCanny. Jim McCanny was, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the Planet X uh, sort of the head guy talking about Planet X. All right, I've had Jim on before. We'll get him on again. Uh, just a, a few minutes here before the break. Uh, oh, let's go to Nicholas. Nicholas in the YouTube chat asking, "Do you think social distancing will have a lasting impact on how people interact with each other?" I think people have a pretty short memory. Um, a few people might uh, decide they're not going to shake hands anymore. But my concern, though, is, as I mentioned earlier on, that this is going to come in waves. Again, whether the crisis is real or imagined, it doesn't much matter. Uh, In some respects, I think this is kind of a beta test. Again, you don't let a crisis go to waste, whether it's real or imagined. I think it's real. However, we're being... We're being pushed around a little bit here, right? They're seeing how much, when I say they, authority, how much can we push people around? How much are they willing to take? Uh, will they, can we lock them down for two months before they start complaining? Can we lock them down for three months? And so there will be another one that comes around and another one and another one. So I don't know at what point, if ever, we get back to the old normal. And I don't know what the new normal will look like. Um, but um, I, I think it will have some some long-lasting uh, cultural changes. We might lose the handshake, by and large. Um, I think in the short term, though, people will go back to pretty much behaving as they did. I think there will be such such joy uh, that we're free. That, that uh, people will be re- relishing social interaction 
absolutely craving it. We are. Uh, Jacob asks, do you believe China's corona numbers, 4,600 deaths, 86,000 infected with a billion people? I don't trust much of anything that comes uh, from the the, uh, communist China, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. But nor do I trust the data here entirely. Uh, I, th- I think the numbers are are being gained. So, for example, um, we don't know, in the absence of widespread testing, we don't know the infection rate. It could be far greater than it is. And that's that's the denominator, that number. The infection rate is the denominator. Now, the case fatality rate, fatality rate is the, the numerator, the number on top. We know that number. And it's, it seems very high, but unless we know what the denominator is, the actual infection rate, we don't know how deadly this is. It's deadly enough. You know, every, every death diminishes us. But um, the other thing is, I know in the United States, uh, Dr. Burks, who is on the Corona Task Force at the White House, she said back in April, we are going to... Um, we're going to go, we're going to be very liberal when we announce fatalities. So they make no distinction between dying from COVID-19 and dying with COVID-19. Well, there's a big difference. So if you have stage, you're in the final stages of cancer and you, and you've been in contact with someone who has the coronavirus and then you die, you will be listed as a COVID-19 death. So by what order of magnitude have the number of deaths, let's say in the United States, been padded? How many in the, do you know in in the United States, 162,000 people approximately die each year from lower respiratory um, disease or ailment? 162,000. How many of that 162,000 who who have died have been moved over into the COVID-19 column? So again, no distinction between dying with COVID-19 and dying from. And of course, we know, well, we'll get to more numbers when we come back. Open lines this hour. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town. 1-866-740-4740. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I just wanted to um, talk a little bit more about uh, the data, the data uh, and uh, these models, the Imperial College of London model, uh, which provides or has provided the the basis for for a lot of the policy that has been so devastating to the economy. And um, Dr. Scott Jensen, you may have heard this or read this. Dr. Scott Jensen is a, a physician. He's also a, a state legislator in the in the in Minnesota, and he received, uh, I think it was a seven-page memo, 
it was kind of a diagnosis a guidance from the, uh, the the state uh, health board in Minnesota, explaining how he should report a COVID nineteen death and a COVID nineteen diagnosis. And uh, again, he reiterated what Doctor Burks, Doctor Deborah Lynn Burks, had said. Uh, that is, if a person dies with COVID nineteen not necessarily from it. They are to be added to the COVID-19 death column. But what he also said that was most uh, shocking, perhaps, is that a typical Medicare hospital admission pays the hospital $4,000. Medicare pays the hospital $4,000 per patient. If that patient is admitted and diagnosed with COVID-19, the hospital now receives $13,000. If that patient is placed on a ventilator, the hospital now receives $39,000. So from $4,000 to $13,000, and then from $13,000 to $39,000. Now, I'm not saying that doctors are gaming the numbers, but there is such a huge incentive for hospital administrators to do that. So there's that. So uh, I, I, um, I don't think we really have a, a real handle on the numbers. And in some cases, I think the data is, is being gamed. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Pierre in Montreal. Pierre, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, how's it going? Well, thank you. Great, great, great. Hey, I'm sorry to bother you about this. I know it's a little bit off topic, but I need to know a bit more about this. There was one time a second coming of Christ. You guys mentioned it on your show very quickly, and you kind of gleamed over it, but I, I, it's always been in the back of my head. I need to know more, and I can't find any information about it. But the military somehow got introduced to him and they destroyed his body over and over and over. Do you remember talking about this? The military, in other words, the second coming had already occurred. The military, yeah. that one doesn't sound familiar. No, no. I mean, we've talked, we've talked, we've, I've done a lot of shows on uh, biblical prophecy and the second coming obviously is part of that, but yeah. I don't, Recall, I, it, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember it, Pierre. Well, can you, can you a, a give me a time messiah. frame? Pardon me? It was a black messiah, someone who claimed black, it was oh, the second coming. Black messiah. Hmm. Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with, with that, that term, the black messiah, but yeah. I don't remember that show. Was it within the last two years, three years? Yeah, definitely the last three years for sure. But it wasn't on the show as a topic. It was just like you gleamed over it. One of your guests brought it up and you guys talked about it. And I, it just stuck with me. I needed to find out. But oh. anyway. Have okay. you tried doing a little, uh, just a little online research? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But nothing comes okay. up. So it's really weird. Okay, so there was a second coming. It was a black messiah and the military... Uh, knew who who this person was, and they got to him. Is that the idea? Yeah, they destroyed him multiple times, and he kept coming wow. back. 
he, oh, I see. They they destroyed him on multiple time in in, in timelines, but he kept coming back. That's no, interesting. On multiple times, he, he'd always come back. Like in that right. time frame, he'd come back. I'm I'm here, you know, and they destroy him again. And then finally, they put him into pieces, blew him all over the world, and he still came back. But he said, "Forget it." That's wow! If I did, I if I did, if I did do that show, I better. That sounds like a good one. All right, Pierre. I'm sorry, I can't be of more help. It really doesn't sound. Uh, it does not sound familiar. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember. All right. Uh, let's see. Baji asks, "Do you think the vaccine will be used as an excuse to force people to prove they've had one, therefore making microchipping necessary?" Uh, I don't know that microchipping is necessary. Uh, they can track us so many ways. I mean, I know that, that Bill Gates has talked about the need for a national tracking system. Uh, and by the way, while we're on the subject of Bill Gates, he may or may not be well-intentioned. I don't know. I don't know the man. I've never met the man. Uh, but why are we taking our cues from a man who peddled software why are we taking our cues from him when it comes to immunization and vaccines? Especially, let's be frank, given his track record in places like India um, and and what I've read about what went down there in India, this, uh, this vaccine strain of, of polio, which is indistinguishable from polio. And I believe even the World Health Organization um, has admitted that the 500,000, a half a million cases of, it's called non-polio flaccid uh, disease or something like that, uh, was caused by the, by the vaccine. And India basically showed Bill Gates the door. And uh, there were other problems with uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation vaccines in, uh, in Africa with the... Uh, the HPV vaccine. You can uh, you can look that up and 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 do some research. But um, I've, I've I've never quite understood why we're listening to Bill Gates on this. Aside from the fact that basically he's now the number one funder of the World Health Organization. Although I guess the United States is going to pony up some cash now. Uh, let's see. Oh, I wanted to get to uh, Jacob. Jacob. I've lost his call or his uh, his comment. Here it is. Jacob wants to know, um, won't all this money Trudeau is spending be bad for the economy? Surely that money has to come from somewhere. Well, the the parliamentary budget office just announced, was it a week and a half ago, that it's not inconceivable that the federal debt could reach one trillion dollars. Can you even imagine what a trillion dollars looks like? I can't. Um, but it's not inconceivable. By the end of this year, this fiscal year, our federal debt will stand at one trillion dollars. Uh, is that bad for the economy? Well, <laughs> I would say, yes, the debt's the, the, a trillion dollar debt. Where does this money come from? They just print it out of thin air. They just print it out of thin air, except it's still debt. It still has to be serviced. And you can argue, well, that's, that debt is imagined. It's not real. Well, 
it still takes up a, a huge portion of the uh, the federal budget. To service the debt, that's just to pay the interest on it, that dwarfs what we pay for health and defense. Something like $40, $50 billion a year just goes out the window to service the debt. What could we do with $30, $40, 50000000000 billion a year? Maybe ensure that everyone living on reserves in this country could have access to proper drinking water? That would be a start, wouldn't it? All right, more of your calls when we come back. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Hey, just a reminder, if you enjoy The Conspiracy Show, you're going to enjoy my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com to subscribe and listen. Conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. And I've also just recently launched Conspiracy Unlimited Plus. And Plus members uh, can gain access to the, the back catalog of episodes, over 350 episodes, and also receive two bonus commercial-free episodes every month. Just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and then click on Get Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and then click on Get Access to Premium Episodes. Uh, Let's see, uh, George in the live chat. Great questions from our live chat tonight on YouTube, by the way. George wants to know if I've heard from Paul Hellyer lately. And would he be willing to come on the show again? Well, I haven't. Uh, listen, I haven't heard from Paul Hellyer. My, uh, my, my go-between with uh, Mr. Hellyer is my good friend Victor Vigiani. And uh, whenever um, Paul is um, interested and available to come on the radio, he usually reaches out to Victor, and then Victor reaches out to me. And you're right. Uh, Mr. Hellyer is... Uh, getting up there. I believe he's 95, maybe 96. And um, the last time I had him on, he had completed his uh, his memoirs, I guess. And um, he was pretty spry. Um, but um, I'll have to ask, Victor, what's, uh, what's going on with the Honorable Mr. Hellier? All right. Let's say hi to Bob from Thornhill. Bob, good morning. Hi, Richard. Thanks very much for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, would you please do an updated version of Kingbird 50? When I first heard you uh, tell that story, I thought you hit it out of the Sky Dome. <laughs> oh, that's going back. Kingbird 50, that goes back um, to my early days in radio. For those not familiar, there was a um, an American who was living in... He had retired there. He had, I believe he was working with the Coca-Cola company uh, in Moscow, retired, and um, he had been in communication with someone who was working at the Air Force Base, the American Air Force Base in Greenland. This is a wild story. 
and uh, they had a distress call coming in on a, on a, uh, a radio channel that was very rarely ever used anymore. It was kind of an antiquated form of communication. And this was a, um, a uh, was it a B-52 bomber, if memory serves? Do I have that right, Bob? Was it, it a B-52 or what was it? or B-25 that couldn't fly above the storm, so it was going through while the others flew around or above the storm. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, the, B, the B-17 sounds about right. Um, and it, uh, it, it crash-landed in the ice. They sent out a search party. Again, this is information being um, sort of given secondhand to this gentleman in Moscow who contacted me from a friend of his who was working at the Air Force Base. They sent out a, 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 a crew, a search party. They located the, uh, the plane. It had landed uh, intact, pretty much, except the crew had, uh, they were all dead. They froze to death. The interesting thing was they were all wearing rather interesting clothing. They were wearing Air Force uniforms, but vintage uniforms. Uh, they they appeared to be right out of the 1940s. And uh, the interesting thing was there was was a B-17 that had departed for uh, Greenland, Thule Air Force Base, in the 1940s, late 1940s, I think, 1947-48. And um, if I have that timeline correct, uh, and it had disappeared off radar before reaching Thule. So the theory was that that plane that took off from the U.S. in 1947-48 and disappeared off of rate suddenly reappeared in 2001 or whenever it was and then crash landed uh, in the ice fields of Greenland and uh, yeah that was a remarkable story I don't know if I could if I could find that gentleman if he's still out there this is nearly 20 years ago but it, uh, it, it was a remarkable story well just like Bob do I have most of those details correct yeah, but the interesting thing was the last uh, uh, remark in the logbook was the night that it disappeared. And that was on the plane and ferrying the plane back to an Air Force base in California. But just like when you did the flying saucers over L.A., there was a person that called in that remembered that incident as a child. But, you know, in doing the show, you might get uh, some feedback. Right. So this the the actual B seventeen departed from. Wasn't it Gander? Was it California? Not sure. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember where it left from. But you're saying that the logbook on the plane that was recovered, uh, the one of the entries was the date in ni- in the 1940s when it left the U.S. Yeah, the la- the night that it disappeared into the storm, but. I just thought it was a great show. Thank you. And uh, second thing, quickly, uh, where's Gary Bell, the spaceman? He's so uh, far ahead of the curve and really missed the guy. I haven't heard anything from him. If you could please get him on the show. And thanks very much. Oh, no, no. Bob, Gary passed away several years ago. Sorry, didn't didn't know that. Yeah, he uh, after he left uh, his show. Uh, rather unceremoniously, he was fired 
And uh, it wasn't too long after that Gary passed away from cancer, sadly. So uh, no longer with us, unfortunately. I Gary was an interesting <laughs> broadcaster, to say the least. Nobody liked Gary Bell. And I, I didn't have, um, I didn't know him that well. We would cross paths at the uh, the coffee urn at the uh, the radio station where we both worked at the time. And the and Gary, I tell you, was passionate about his research. Never had guests. He would talk for two hours or three hours nonstop. And uh, fascinating fellow. But if he cornered you, you could you could lose like an hour out of your work day. So you had to kind of devise an exit strategy um, before you crossed paths with Gary Bell. But yeah, sorely missed. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll free from out of town, one 866 740 one 740 Last call to the phones on The Conspiracy Show. Be right back. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Uh, Coming up next week on the program, Benjamin Baruch will be here to talk about Mystery Babylon, a, a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah, and the American Deep State, and how they all intersect. Benjamin Baruch. Uh, next week on the program. He's on in the second hour. Uh, But as always, just keep checking the website, strangeplanet.ca for show information. Strangeplanet.ca. By the way, I've completely uh, redesigned the website uh, along with my my, uh, partner, Rick Forgus, uh, down in uh, Arizona. Check it out, strangeplanet.ca. I think you're going to find it is much easier to navigate now. And uh, everything is basically there on one page. You just scroll down. Uh, And while you're there, don't forget to register. All I need is your email address. If you scroll right down to the bottom and click on the um, Inner Sanctum, that's the newsletter. Just click there. And then you'll be asked to register. And then you'll start receiving my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, in your email inbox every month for free. Strangeplanet.ca. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, do we have anyone else in the uh, the YouTube chat? There was a question here I didn't get to. Let me just scroll up. Uh, it had something to do with Elon Musk. Someone was asking, why do we pay attention or why does the mainstream media pay so much attention to Bill Gates and not, and not so much from Elon Musk? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that, although um, – Elon Musk has recently come out and admitted uh, he's taken the red pill, which metaphorically means he's now, I guess, a a Republican. Uh, And so that might answer your question as to why the mainstream media is not exactly as enamored with uh, Elon Musk uh, as they once were. 
as long as he's designing electric cars, that's one thing. But uh, if they perceive that he is now in uh, President Trump's corner, then he is to be scorned. He is to be eviscerated. All right, 416-360-0740, I mentioned uh, either it was David Menzies or a little bit later, I feel like this is a beta test that we're going through. Uh, in other words, they're seeing how, how far they can push us, authorities. Remember um, that that old saying, Machiavelli, uh, never let a crisis go to waste. So I'm not saying that this crisis isn't real. I'm not saying that people aren't getting sick and people are dying and that there is a, a, a virus. It's very virulent. It spreads quickly. I'm not saying that's not happening. And I'm not saying we shouldn't follow the protocols. Um, but what I'm saying is that, that there are various groups that are seizing upon this crisis uh, and, and, and trying to take their advantage. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, in the United States, the Democratic Party, obviously, they're seizing upon this uh, as an attempt, their last-ditch effort, to try and, and take down the president. The Russian collusion uh, hoax didn't work. The Ukrainian phone call didn't work. Um, so what, this might be their last, definitely, this is their last-ditch effort to try and, and, and take down President Trump. So that's an example. I'm not saying that Nancy Pelosi or Adam Schiff or, or um, Chuck Schumer created the, uh, the virus in a lab. I'm just saying that they are seizing upon this crisis. That's human nature. That's what we do. And you could probably argue that the Republicans in some way are trying to seize upon this and, and so forth. Um, and and uh, those groups and individuals that are, shall we say, fans of state control, authoritarian control, obviously they're going to use something like this to expand their powers. Look, for example, what's happening over in, in hung Hungary with uh, their uh, Prime Minister Viktor uh, um, is it Obarn? Obron? He's basically ruling by uh, edict right now, from what I understand. And we've seen what's happened here in, in Canada, where the the government is loving these orders in council. They wanted to be able to tax and spend without any parliamentary oversight. They passed this sweeping new gun legislation with an order in council. That's what politicians do. They seek to expand power. That's what government institutions do. So naturally they're going to seize upon this. And they're going to they're going to they're going to test the limits, our limits. How much can how far can they push us before we start to push back? That's what's going on here to a certain extent. Let's say hi to, uh, oh, it's uh, Wai Wei. I, I'm never pronouncing her name. I know I'm probably not pronouncing her name correctly. Wai Wai, I think. 
she's suggesting that I get Dr. Rashid Batar on for discussion on the intersect between COVID and 5G. I actually, uh, on the weekend, I reached out to uh, Dr. Batar on LinkedIn and uh, sent him an invite. So he was recently on a program with Ty Bollinger and Ty's uh, lovely bride, Charlene, I think. And I watched that video. And um, if that's what you're referring to, yes, he does speak about um, COVID-19 and 5G. I don't know. I don't know what to believe regarding uh, regarding uh, 5G. I've done a number of shows on it. And I know many of my guests have warned about the dangers. And then on the other side, you have you have the experts in air quotes, because I don't know who are the experts in this field, but they say this is non-ionizing radiation. It can't hurt you. Uh, but then on the other side, you have people who say absolutely, yes, it can. And uh, somewhere, was it in uh, the UK, someone took out one of these 5G towers in a tank? Did, did you read about that? Uh, Weiwei is also suggesting we get, uh, or I get Dr. Judy Mikovits on. Uh, have you seen this? The the trailer for this uh, documentary, Part One, uh, Plandemic Part One. Dr. Judy Mikovits. She worked with Dr. Fauci and uh, and others. And uh, yeah, she she believes it was definitely uh, created in a lab. And she is warning about uh, these mandatory vaccines. Uh, I don't know. I have uh, I've since read a number of things about Dr. Dr. Judy Mikovits, which is really only served to muddy the water in terms of her credibility. So again, hard to say, but I, I, I'll try and get her on and then I'll let you decide. Uh, let's see. Uh, Big J 21 asks, who is Q? Who is Q? Are you talking about QAnon? This is supposedly the, um, the insider in the, uh, the Trump administration. And some, uh, some people actually believe that Q is, John F. Kennedy Jr. That's right, folks. He faked his death. He didn't die on that plane crash. And now he's gone undercover and is working alongside uh, President Trump to bring his father's murderers to justice. Uh, and there's far more to that conspiracy uh, than what I've just mentioned. But it's uh, it's fascinating. Uh, not sure I buy it. Sorry. We keep hearing about... Uh, you know, what's going to happen. And Q, by the way, QAnon, he um, he speaks in code. Uh, his messages are very cryptic. And you have this whole community that has arisen where they're deciphering QAnon's codes, telling you what it means and what's going to go down and so forth. Anyway, uh, there's my music. We are done. Back next week with a brand new show. Thank you to Ryan. Thank you to Carlos, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the house. Stops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.